welcome back to the second episode of Yet Another Bullshit Podcast. I'm here, as always, with my co-host, Dalton. How you been this week? I'm doing good, Jeremy. I'm doing good, buddy. How about you? Uh, I've been doing good. Uh, you get anything into anything fun this week? Uh, I'm working on a new song. Uh, maybe like once I get it a little more finished, I'll uh, I'll like end an episode with it or something. But uh, oh, as nice. of this moment, it's still in very early stages. But I, I come up with a riff that I'm quite enjoying playing. <laughs> Which usually, if I enjoy playing it, it means I can start getting creative with it. So I'm hoping to uh, build from there. Uh, oh, yeah. Other than that, man, I've been playing the shit out of some WWE 2K22. Uh, how is it? Uh, it's awesome. <laughs> I've been really having a blast with it, man. Like the way the way it controls now is just so fluid. Like, and the the I think I mentioned this last week, but they you know they did a whole new engine for the game. Yeah, and like it just it shows after the uh, shit show that was two K twenty, which we'll get into a little bit later with one of our uh, fan asked questions. Um, but like, it's just such a breath of fresh air in oh, the yeah. wrestling video game genre that I'm just like fucking. Thank goodness, dude. And I haven't tried a 2K WWE game since I think it was 16, the one with Stone Cold on the cover. They like gave away with Game Was Gold, so I downloaded it. But the way they had made the character progression and the controls and stuff, they just made them so complicated. I ended up giving up. Like I went into a match with a creative character and just got destroyed because I had no stamina, no moves, no nothing unlocked. I was like, yeah, this isn't fun anymore and just quit. But I've heard this new one. They've simplified all of that again and made it a lot more accessible for people that don't play the the genre quite as much. Kind of. So in my opinion, like 2K19 and 2K20 both had way easier control schemes than this new one but it's just that this new one is a lot more fluid like i said like i don't know how to describe it like because in the old game or in 2k19 2k20 it was like you were mashing square or if on x you know, on xbox it's x to do your punches and you would just hold it to do a strong attack you would either press it oh. to do a normal attack or hold it to do a strong attack and then a was your grapple and it was either like you know press a or hold a if you want to do a medium grapple or strong grapple and this year it's a little more to it like you press b to grab them and then like x in a direction is your light attacks a in a direction is your heavier attacks you know there's a lot more to it this year in my opinion but like it just it works so i don't i don't know it's just it works i like it i will say that does sound more like the uh like my favorite era of wrestling games back on N64, where like you had the grapple button and then you did some kind of direction and button combination to do moves yep. off of that. Um, yeah, for sure. Are the one button finishers back? Uh, so you have to. So I play on my Xbox controller, and you have two different meters this year. Like you have a, a, a this blue meter that builds up, which you can use for like if you want to kip up or just like get up really quickly you uh you use one of those you hit r1 when you're on the ground to get up like that and it'll use one of those bars but if you get all three of those bars full you can use your signature which is different than your finisher which is built up on this golden bar beneath your stamina bar uh so it'd be kind of like the people's elbow versus the rock bottom exactly absolutely and um to do your signature you have to hold r2 
and then press square or on controller or on Xbox, I guess it would be uh, right trigger and X. And then on Xbox, it would be uh, right trigger and A for your uh, finisher. So it's two buttons. So, so it's not, not too, bad. too bad, though. Pretty, pretty yeah. uh, easy to pull off. Uh, it's not but, like, uh, was it WrestleMania, the arcade game on 16-bit where it's Street Fighter style combination oh, yeah, button God, presses no. to do so? No, God, no. Um, 2K19 and 2K20 both had one button finishers. But like, what was weird to me is that between 2K19 and 2K20, the gameplay didn't change all that much, but they swapped controls around, uh, which just fucked me up. But this year, like the gameplay is different enough that like I expected new controls. So I went into it just like, okay, well, this is how we're going to build from it. So I will say I watched like a, an IGN quick video on it and they were talking about the controls being different, talking about things being simplified a little bit, but graphically it looks fucking phenomenal from what I saw like that. Cause I'm a graphical snob. I love games that look <laughs> as realistic as absolutely possible. And that alone made me be like, man, I kind of want to pick this up. Like it's probably one of those games that when it goes on sale for 40 bucks in two months, I might go pick up a copy just to try it out. Dude, there's little things that they've done that I really appreciate. Like when you hit somebody hard enough, you'll see like the sweat and maybe a little spit oh, flat yeah. of their mouth and stuff. Like, just, oh, yeah. um, also, I was whacking somebody with a kendo stick, and I was hitting them in the stomach. And the kendo stick eventually, like as you're using it, the kendo stick will just break, yeah. as they tend to do in wrestling matches. And the dude got up, and across his stomach and back, he had these big red welts. Oh, nice! Where he was just like whacked the shit out of him and I was like that's cool they didn't have to add that detail but I oh, like yeah. that you know and if you punch a dude in the face enough they'll start getting these red splotches on their like forehead and their cheeks oh, and things so where you've been punching them give them the old crisp and wash knife chops across the chest their chest gets all red yep. puckered up yeah um, yeah buddy do you remember playing like WCW NWO World Tour on Nintendo 64 I never played that one. I played No Mercy. My first WCW games were on the PS1. Uh, I don't... You might could do it in No Mercy. I know WCW and WO World Tour did it where you could unmask luchadors or people like that. And yep. it's like, that was the coolest thing in the world to me. But now looking back at it, it's like, wow, they all just had the same generic face. So it's not like it really even mattered all that much to unmask them. Yeah, on uh, on No Mercy, I remember it was a big deal. You could unmask Kane. Oh, yeah. And when you... <coughs> oh, excuse me. I, I took a sip of soda and went down the wrong pipe. Oh, when you, no good. When you would unmask him, his face just had these big darkened circles around his eyes and stuff. Oh, yeah. And it was just like, that was it. It was just like yep. he had a really darkened face. I still hold No Mercy as possibly the best all-around wrestling game of all time personally i loved it the controls were super simple the creative character was really in-depth for the console that it was on uh the entrances and stuff were really cool because some of the n64 the earlier games didn't even have ring entrances you just picked your characters and it just showed them in the ring you started the match yeah um what would be my favorite wrestling game if I had to put one at the top? Um, I think I would. It's it's a tie between two different WWF games back in the day. It was either 
SmackDown 2, Know Your Role, which was yeah. one of the ones I had for PlayStation. But then, like, also, well, actually, there's probably a three, three that are really, because then SmackDown versus Raw 2007 is tremendous. Um, it's very arcadey, but still, like, it looks realistic enough for the PS2 that you'd be surprised. Oh. Um, it's, pr- it's pretty fucking good. But then... The one that I probably put the most time into and I enjoyed the gameplay the most was probably 2K... Was it 2K14 or 2K16? It was one of those two. One of those two. 2K14 or 2K16. That was just the perfect combination of simulation and arcade. Uh, and it was just tremendous, dude. I just fucking loved it. It was so fun. Yeah, if I had to pick, like I said No Mercy to me would be the best. Um, after that, it would probably be a close second between... World Tour on N64 and WrestleMania, the arcade game on Genesis is what I had it on because it was just such a different game from every other wrestling game. Like, I think the people who did Street Fighter actually did that game. And it's funny. I don't know if you ever beat that game. No. You basically had a gauntlet you had to go through of all the wrestlers, but they had like these stories at the end. And The Undertaker had the weirdest story about like, I think he ends up like destroying mankind at the end, like actual people, not the wrestler mankind. Like, it's, <laughs> he has this really, really dark, like, story ending at the end of the game. But that one was cool because it had all the ones I loved as a kid, like Doink the Clown, Yokozuna, Undertaker has always been one of my favorite wrestlers. Let me tell you, probably the weirdest wrestling game that I ever played in my youth was a Game Boy game, and it was called WWF Betrayal. Oh, and yeah. I, I recommend anybody, if you find a copy of this, get it and play it or go emulate it. Um, it's a beat-em-up. And you have your choice of one of four characters. You can either be um, Stone Cold, The Rock, The Undertaker, or Triple H. And based on who you pick, it will make somebody else your villain. And oh, nice. Yeah, it's just ridiculous. I think you're, try- you're trying to like save Stephanie McMahon. So, so it's like a legitimate like Streets of Rage style beat em up or yeah, yeah oh, it's a, dude, it's I've a, got to find that and I'll try that out it's a fucking beat em up for the Game Boy I put a ton of hours and I think it was a Game Boy Color game um, but yeah it's fantastic well I say that it might not have aged great but when yeah. I was a kid it was fantastic I'll have to look into that one I imagine it's probably it's either amazing now and it's super expensive or it sucks and it's $3 one of the two. Um, so, speaking on that, what is the worst wrestling game in your opinion? Or one of the worst? WWE 2K20 on Switch aside because that was just an absolute garbage pile. 2K20 on PC is not great either. Um, That's probably the best way to play that game. Dude, you know, I have uh, a wrestling game for PS3 that's pretty fucking bad. That's TNA. Oh, uh, the TNA Impact? Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. it could have been so much more. That's uh, all. Yeah. Like, that's what's wrong with it. And then I have a Lucha Libre AAA Lucha game uh, for PS3 as well. That's like, it's all right, but the controls are really fucking strange. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, but the worst wrestling say- game... If I had to say one of the worst, I'm not going to claim it's the worst ever, but WCW Backstage Assault on N64, <laughs> and I think yeah. it was on PS1 as well, mm-hmm. was just not good at all. 
Like, they tried to make a street fighting game out of a wrestling game, and it just just didn't work at all. Yeah. No, yeah. That game was very, very strange, because it's like, I like to actually wrestle in the ring, too. Yeah. You know, but no, it's like, no, everything's a backstage. Everything's in a parking lot or in the locker room. One that gets a lot of flack, but I like it better than most people give it credit for is, I think it's called The Simpsons Wrestling. I don't know if you ever played that. Yeah, that was a that was it's, a staple. Mechanically, it's not a great wrestling game, but for just like fifteen minutes of nostalgic Simpsons fun, it's it's a cool game. Yeah, dude. If you just look at it like a little Simpsons fighting game, like it's yeah. it's a blast. Uh, I I used to rent that all the time. I loved the Simpsons games, man. I don't know what it was about them. Um, objectively. Probably the worst wrestling games that I can think of right off the top of my head are the ECW games for PS1. Oh, but yeah. I have memories of this game being frustrating when I was a kid, which means it was probably absolute garbage, and that was Legends of Wrestling for PS2. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Everybody I just looked that. real weird. Yeah, everybody was like overinflated and just really weird. Yeah, yeah, they looked like those 80s rubber dolls. Like, I have one of Hulk Hogan around here somewhere oh, yeah. where he just looks super buff. And I read yep. Yeah. I've heard, uh, I haven't played it. I've heard that new Hulk Hogan wrestling game is garbage. There's um, a Hulk Hogan wrestling uh, game? What is it? I'll have to look it up. It's a Hulk Hogan titled wrestling game where you don't actually get to wrestle as Hulk Hogan. <laughs> uh, let's see. What's the name <laughs> of it? That's tremendous. <laughs> Something else I was thinking about is with current events going on, um, do you think anyone's going to miss Hulk Hogan when he's gone? Because like, I loved him as a kid, but he's kind of vastly devolved since then. Like all the racism, all the just horrible stuff that's come out about him in several years. I think... In a situation like that, and I know this isn't a popular opinion, but like, some like you have to separate the person from the legacy, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, because before we knew about that, like it it doesn't change the impact that Hulkamania had in the eighties. This is you know true. What I mean, it doesn't yeah. change the NWO, which I, we're gonna bring up in a, talking about the NWO in a second. But like, yeah. you know it it doesn't change any of that now it could be like man he was really shitty but fuck dude i respect what he did for the business you know what i mean Um, and i I feel that way about there's some musicians that things came out about them where that were fucking weird and it's like okay so prime example i'll give of that for me and i'll discuss it later uh with one of the listener questions marilyn manson by far is one of my favorite musicians of all time. Now, there's a lot of he's getting a lot of flack lately. I can go into death with that. It's probably not a popular opinion, but like I still regardless of what he's done in his personal life, I still love his music. I still listen to it all the time. Yeah. But yeah, like like you said at some point you do I guess kind of have to separate the artist from the art and I don't know it's hard it's hard to say because I just wonder like if you hear you know Hulk Hogan died are you gonna be like oh my god I wish I got to meet him he's such a great talent or are you just gonna be like oh that sucks and just going about your day 
okay well i think because i didn't watch wrestling at the height of hulkamania like my personal like experience with him like i didn't even watch much wcw back in the day like i would catch it during raw commercials you know what i mean Uh, but i was a raw dude so like my hulk hogan is the hulk hogan that came in and ended up fighting the rock which was great Oh, yeah. but no I mean like I might be like man that sucks he's you know his legacy will live forever but like oh, yeah. fucking that's that's gonna be a huge notch in the people wrestling have lost um, yeah. I'll tell you who I will uh, feel that way about <laughs> when it eventually happens and I think some people have their opinions on him is Rick motherfucking Flair oh yeah like once wait, if he ever goes and I don't get to shake his hand man I might I might shed a tear Apparently, uh, I think my dad told me he met him in like a hotel lobby in Charlotte one one time. Bro, like that's apparently common because my parents were at their honeymoon on their honeymoon at a hotel, and who lo and behold, who was there? The four horsemen and a bunch of people were in the park all drinking and shit. my, My dad goes, bro. He goes, Dalton. I swear to you, Ric Flair was in there. And he was being Ric Flair. Like, he was wooing, and he was oh, dipping nice. women and giving them kisses on the cheek and buying everybody drinks. It was the wildest fucking thing. <laughs> and see, wrestlers like that who have that natural stage, I don't think they put it on for the cameras. I think that's who they are. No, that is and, absolutely. I mean, they play it up, I'm sure, but that's a personality type you have to have. Like, I'm not. I'm very introverted. There's no way I could go on TV hooting and hollering in a pair of spandex briefs and a fur coat and big boots and have that stage present that Ric Flair has. He brought, I would argue he brought showmanship to professional wrestling because really before Ric Flair, it was, you know, you had two guys in tights. They went out, they wrestled. It was more technical, whereas he came out and he made it a stage show almost. Yeah, and there were there were a few before him, but he was the first who yeah. like put it to the next level. You know what I mean? Oh, like, yeah. uh, he made it a mainstream thing. Exactly, because the only the only one I can really think of who was kind of lavish like Flair before Flair was uh, Classy Freddie Blassie, but that's yeah. going way back. You know what I mean? Oh, so yeah. you had Flair, a little bit of, uh, and it may have been after Flair. Uh, Ricky Steamboat had a little bit of it. Yeah, that, um, that was after Flair because yeah. they had they had some incredible matches in the eighties. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't know timelines for wrestling and stuff like that because I really got into it in the nineties because I was born in the mid eighties. So like I was that prime age in the nineties where I was going to be a wrestler. You know, all I did mm-hmm. was buy the WWF entrance music CDs and stuff like that. Me and my friends would have cage matches and old dog pens in the woods and stuff like that. <laughs> we lived and breathed wrestling in the 90s. Yeah, buddy. I remember those days. I, and that's uh, one thing I'll say. Like, I don't think I'll be super, super sad when Hulk goes, but we weren't allowed to watch WWF as kids because our parents said it was too violent to adult because it was right at the start of the attitude era. Uh, so we watched yeah. WCW. So Hulk Hogan probably not single handedly, but he had a huge part in keeping WCW alive as long as it was because when he came over and he brought, he basically started that attitude era for WCW and the Monday night wars and all because he came over, I want to say when he came over, he came over with the starting kind of the the NWO sort of stuff. No, actually. Um, oh, no, that's right. He came over as Hollywood. Hogan was doing the red and yellow thing. 
Yeah. Um, and it got to the point where people were booing him because they were just yep. fucking sick That's of right. it. And to, to bring up our next thing, and then, like, I guess once we wrap up the wrestling talk, I'll ask you what you've been up to this week, I promise. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> yeah, it's yet another wrestling yeah. podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm, a re- <laughs> I'm a wrestling nerd. I'm sorry. I, I can write about it all the time. But, like, so uh, what started that was Scott Hall came in. And he was wearing regular clothes and he came in through the crowd and he hopped the barrier and grabbed a microphone. And then he cut that promo. He was like, you know who I am, but you don't know why I'm here. Right. And that's what's, and then he said he had his big friend coming to help him. And that was Kevin Nash. Yeah. Well, they had the third man and everybody was like, who's the third man? And that turned out to be Hulk Hogan. And that was the infamous uh, finger poke match. Like Hogan had the title, didn't he? No, no, no. That was, um, it was Randy Savage versus the Outsiders, and then Hulk Hogan came down to help, and then he That's ended up right. dropping right. the leg on on Savage. The the finger poke of Doom happened later the when they pack, right? they had split with the Wolf Pack, yeah, and then yeah, that was yeah. when they kind of like made amends or whatever. That whole like branching path of WCW, it, WCW brought so many things that made wrestling amazing. <laughs> And really, it was management that killed WCW because WCW could have could have stayed going. They could have stayed mainstream, but there was a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff that people... Like, I remember Paul White did an interview I watched where he said he'd been with WCW for a while as the giant. He was making, like, a hundred grand or something like that. They brought Goldberg in and signed a million-dollar contract with Goldberg, and Paul White was like what's going on here? Like, I've been here. I've been keeping this brand afloat. I've been putting in good matches. Why is he getting paid 10 times as much as I am? And they basically told him that show business, baby. And he was like, you know what? Vince McMahon does show business too. Let me go talk to him. And that kind of just started that mass exodus of WCW, of all these guys who felt they were being underappreciated for what they were doing for the brand. And Vince McMahon had the pocketbook. So he's like, come on over to me he's like i'll pay you more money just to steal you away from wcw and the most amazing thing about that is scott hall and kevin nash i don't know about hogan but i know scott hall and kevin nash had favored nations clause which means anytime somebody got hired for more money than they made they automatically got a raise to whatever amount that is holy shit what a deal to have in a fucking contract son oh yeah (laughs) now WWE has a YouTube channel where they put a bunch of old matches up. I love Royal Rumbles, so I'll go back and watch Royal Rumbles on YouTube when I don't have anything to do. And uh, the the Royal Rumble I watched sometime last year was the one right after Nash and Hall had left for WCW. WWF at the time still had the Big Daddy Diesel and Razor Ramon. Yeah, fake Diesel branding. So yeah, they brought fake Diesel and fake Razor. And fake Diesel, I don't know if you realize it, is actually who Kane is now. I can't remember his real name. But Glenn he was, Jacobs. Yeah, Glenn Jacobs came out as Kevin Nash. And he looked the part, like he was a little different, but it was like stunt double close. Whereas the guy they hired for Razor Ramon, he looked like the great value version of Razor Ramon. He was literally on camera for about seven seconds, and they tossed his ass over the rope, and he ran back to the backstage because nobody was buying that shit at all. He looked so bad. Dude, my favorite story from that whole thing, I've heard Kevin Nash tell it. He said that, (laughs) <laughs> that they 
He got a phone call. Like he was like on vacation somewhere, and he got a phone call from Eric Bischoff. He's like, "Where are you?" They're like in Florida, and he goes, "I'm sending a plane to pick you up. It's picking up Scott too on the way." And so the plane goes and picks them up, takes them to the office, and they're like, "What are those sons of bitches going to give you?" And Kevin and Scott are looking at you like, "What are you talking about?" And they're like, "Raw is advertising you guys on their show. What are they paying you? They gave them like a two hundred thousand dollar raise a year, and then they're all sitting there watching the TV." And then Razor and Diesel come out, and it's those two. <laughs> and Kevin and Scott said they just looked at the the people who just gave them more money for no reason, and just smiled and walked out of the room. <laughs> I mean, this is smart as hell. I was like, God damn, man! But like to to bring the happiness down a little bit, unfortunately, um, I guess uh, Scott Hall was having some hip surgery and from what i've read it was something to do where like a blood clot got loose and went to his heart or something but he had three heart attacks and they had uh they had to put him on life support and that was as of yesterday um and today is the 14th march 14th yeah so as of this morning i was reading uh kevin nash posted on his instagram that basically you know scott's on life support and once his family's in place, they're going to take him off life support. And Kevin was talking about how he's literally, there's been no one on the earth that he spent more time with than Scott Hall. And now he's going to have to learn to live without him. I was misty eyed. Yeah. I was straight misty eyed. Oh, yeah. That has like, to be oh, just man. absolutely devastating because yeah, they spent so much time together. I mean, they're basically brothers. And yeah. I know Kevin was there for Scott through all his issues with drug use and all of that stuff. Um, it seemed like Scott has got his life together several years ago. He's starting to do better. I know they were doing like uh, conventions and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I hate it for him because, I mean, he was Razor Ramon and Scott Hall, the character, were big inspirations on my life as a kid. Like Scott Hall, I walked around with a toothpick in my mouth all the time because Scott Hall did it and Scott Hall was cool as hell because he had a greasy mullet and a big gold <laughs> chain and a bunch of chest hair and stuff and he yeah. he like you said he will always be the bad guy he was that he was like our generation's Tony Montana like he was that bad Absolutely. guy you wanted to emulate you wanted to be like because he was so damn cool such a good looking guy like it just worked the Razor's Edge was one of my favorite finishers in all of wrestling. Dude, he used to, apparently, he would rib people when he first met him. Uh, nice. He'd be like, hey, welcome to the company. Tuck your chin on my finisher. Because <laughs> he would just be like, immediately, just like, I'm going to beat you. Just be sure to tuck your chin. <laughs> Which just cracked me up. But, like, yeah, man. Um, I'll, I posted it on Facebook, and I'll post it in our group. But there's a, uh, a picture that's been going around for years now that's a picture of Razor Ramon, but it's stylized like uh, Vice City. Yeah. And it just, it looks sweet, man. And I oh, shared yeah. that I shared that today. And I shared a quote, uh, the way he ended his Hall of Fame speech was, uh, hold on one second, I had it pulled up. Hard work pays off and dreams come true. Bad times don't last but bad guys do. Yeah. And then he flicked his toothpick and like, man, oh, yeah. w- what a fucking legacy that guy's going to leave behind. Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah, uh, I was devastated hearing that news. Cause like those two were two of my favorites. And I mean, like even 
they tried to play heel and like they could barely turn heel in wrestling because people just love them so much that when they went heel, people were like, well, this is the good thing now. We're going to hate the other stuff. It, yeah. The NWO totally brought in that. It's cool to like the bad guy. Yep thing to the mainstream because there was always the people who would root for like the four horsemen even yep. though they were bad guys and things like that you know what i mean the, so i give it road to warriors too, and road people warriors. love the road warriors i remember um speaking of nwo when i was in middle school was the prime of that monday night wars nwo stuff you remember conan yeah. Mexican guy. Orale. He always had the button flannel, like the top button done with the NWO shirt. Dude, I wore that outfit to middle school like every year of, I think, eighth grade. I would have a wrestling t-shirt and a flannel with one button. Yeah. My pasty white ass with no Latino in me whatsoever dressed like Conan every single day of middle school. It was honestly probably the most ridiculous thing I could have done but I loved it so much dude if it makes you feel better like my big fat ass would try to go to school dressed like Jeff Hardy wearing the big <laughs> nice. the big pants and the bright shirt paint right. my nails you know what I'm saying like eyeliner I was I was a Hardy I was Dalton the Hardy god damn it uh, <laughs> I remember they were they were from North Carolina where I'm from and I was always mm-hmm. like I just want to go to their hometown and just drive around and see if I can run into them or like uh, Lita I, lo- I had the huge, biggest crush on Lita <laughs> yeah, as a too, kid buddy. it was like yeah I just want to drive around and see if I can find them and talk to them it's like obviously that's not going to work but you know being a being a teenager you're just like man if I go to this town and wait then hey. maybe I'll run into them I'm just saying, if people see Undertaker in a town near me, True. you might be able to see the Hardy Boys eventually in their hometown. You know what I'm saying? Uh, <laughs> so. I saw, didn't uh, didn't Jeff Hardy just joined AEW, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. People yeah. were giving him flack because Matt was getting his ass whooped in the ring and Jeff came uh, out and still did his little dance thing before he ran down to the ring. <laughs> Yeah, I saw that he comes out. I saw like the clip of it. I'm like, dude, in these particular situations, I'm not a professional wrestler, but usually script says, run to the ring, help your buddy, then do your, you know, whatever. It's like, yeah. oh, he comes out and does his little entrance dance and stuff. Yeah, Matt's down there just getting his ass kicked in the ring. <laughs> but it is nice to see him back together again. So yeah. I know Jeff had a lot of substance abuse issues too. So hopefully that's done that's and dusted. Sh- that has been, as far as I know, he's been having that under control recently. So. Yeah. And that's what I say. Yeah. I know you're not as huge a fan of AEW as I am. I do like the fact that from what I hear, they're letting the they're letting the wrestlers have more input on their performances and their story arcs and stuff like that, which I agree with because if you make up your own story arc, you're going to have more passion and you're going to want to see it through better than if you know some suit comes to you and says oh this is your storyline you're like i don't like this my character would never do this and they're like too bad you know came from up top this is what you're doing do it or we're gonna bump you down to the next level i think that's a double-edged sword and the only reason i say that is and I, I well, hold on let me go ahead and state that yeah well yes i'm a wwe fan these days i think a lot of it's cookie cutter and a lot of it is just cheesy i'll agree with that but in the heyday of WWF, WWE, you know, late 90s, early 2000s, whatever you want to say, um, they had like the guys backstage, like it was the, the bookers or so was like four or five dudes, but like 
a couple of them were veterans and of course Vince is at the you know the head of whatever but the the thing to me with AEW is giving talent their creative control like that causes things like the finger poke of doom sure you know what I'm saying because you get somebody and I'll just use Hogan for an example who's gonna stroke his Fu Manchu and go that doesn't work for me brother yeah I'm gonna hit you with a leg drop one two three and then like what the fuck are you gonna say because it's Hulk Hogan and he's in charge like not in charge but he's one of the higher yeah. ups and yeah. that's the same thing happens in AEW now I do think AEW's got some sick storyline uh, a sick storyline right now with the whole MJF CM Punk thing it's yeah. tremendous now, see, CM Punk is one that I was out of wrestling when he came in, so I have no nostalgia, no history with him, Me no too. pleasant memory. So, when he came out in AEW, I watched that match, and it was like the crowd just got so loud. And I'm like, yeah, I just don't get it. My thing that got me to AEW was Sting because Sting, I love Sting when he did the the flat top haircut and the little like spiked face paint. Yeah, when he went. surface Sting. When he went full crow, when he the coolest thing ever was when he did the WC the NWO reveal because like you know back then everybody had to join some sanction of NWO there was no WCW anymore he comes out with like the white shirt on like rips his coat open has the white shirt Hogan and they were celebrating then he just starts beating ass and rips the white shirt off he's got the Wolfpack shirt on like that was some of my favorite shit in wrestling so when I saw he was in it I was like I'll give this a shot it's on Hulu. I pull up a match and it's him and uh, Darby Allen tag team match and like they're getting their asses kicked and all of a sudden Steen just pulls that classic wrestler second win when he like does the double scorpion death lock on both the guys they're fighting against I was like yeah this shit is for me this is the wrestling that I enjoyed as a kid and like I still I didn't stay with it but like it was that really got me hyped and it took me back to my childhood where it was like yeah wrestling is what got me through as a kid i loved it It, i was all about it and it kind of took me back to being you know 12 13 years old watching those matches on wcw or uh and wwf when i would sneak and watch it when i wasn't supposed to i uh, i just hope that it doesn't end up being uh another case of wcw or tna where they start relying on bringing in ex wwe guys yeah. Yeah, I mean, because there's like, been a lot of that recently. Bringing in big names will get you the fan base, but you have to have dynamic stories. You have to have good matches to keep those people watching. Because if you bring in, like, um, say they bring Ric Flair back again for some reason, but he's out there wrestling like a man his age. People aren't going to care. They're going to watch yeah. that first match, but they're going to be like, this is, this is kind of boring. I don't want to watch this anymore. Dude, they brought back Christian, and they haven't done yeah. much of shit with him. Like, yeah. you know, my, my thing is that, like, I wish the AEW would stop signing people, as cool as it is, that all yeah. these guys are getting signed. They need to focus on the, the, the roster that they have, yes. and they need to start act building actual storylines that, like, people other than AEW marks, no offense to anyone who's an AEW mark, um, just feed off of because they're super into the indie stuff and they will just blow anyone who says the young books are the best thing ever. Oh, right? yeah. Like I, I know so, people like that. To me, yeah. I love, uh, what are they called? Um, jungle boy and Luchasaurus. What's their yeah. tag team called? Oh fuck. What are they called? Oh, 
I don't know because they also have the little dude with them, Marco Stunt. Yeah. I don't know like, their name, but I know seeing this great. like seven foot dude come out in a fucking like dinosaur cane mask. He's basically dinosaur cane, and it was just yeah. watching them watching them perform was just the coolest shit to watch at the time. So yeah, like keep take the talent you have and build a bunch of engaging story arcs that's covering everybody. I think what happened with WWE is they they tried to spread too thin when they started doing like, you know, they had SmackDown and Raw and that was that worked. But then they started being like, all right, these are two separate brands. We're not going to mix them anymore except, you know, on pay-per-views we'll bring out this person and then occasionally we'll bring out this person. And then don't they have a what, TNA now, which is like their junior league. Oh, it's like, NXT. NXT. Um, yeah. Like they just, I feel like they spread everything too thin. It definitely for their writers. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because you're going from writing one show to writing two shows. Then now you're writing three shows a week. Yep. And you have to write next week's shows to make sure that these shows make sense because you have to plan for what you're doing next week. And, dude, yep. and then they, pro- they probably have a huge board up where it's like, yeah. oh, we're going to do this match. Oh, we can't do that because these two are on separate brands and we can't, we can't intermingle them anymore. And I feel like they're kind of cutting themselves off the knee. I think AEW coming in, especially if they stay successful, will make WWE better because yeah. competition has never made things worse. Usually the fans win when there's competition because everybody's going to try 110% to win your viewership. Oh, yeah, dude. And the best, the best Vince McMahon is the Vince McMahon in competition. Oh, yeah. Like, that was proven in the 90s. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know like, as much as I dislike Vince McMahon, when he did save WWF at the time, he brought it into the modern age. And like like you said, the Attitude Era was some of the best shit to ever come out of wrestling. And I don't think without Vince McMahon, that probably wouldn't happen. I feel like back then, though, I feel like he gave his stars a little bit more say-so in what was going on. Um, I feel like these guys came out and was like, hey, Vince, you know, what if what if the two of us, you know, we're tag team partners. What if we just have a, a fallout in the back and then, you know, you put us in a match against each other and we end up, one of us ends up turning heel or something. And I feel like that, that flow back and forth helped, whereas now, like you said, the writers are writing crap and they're just saying, all right, here you go. This is what you're doing. Yeah. So. yeah that's basically what it's become but we'll see how it goes in the future right. you know? so one last topic before we get off of wrestling a question I've asked before what is your and this may be too heavy to might have to think about it, <laughs> what is your Mount Rushmore of professional wrestling oh fuck yeah. uh, there's okay there's four heads on Rushmore right yes okay for some reason I always want to think there's five and no okay there's four um, Ric Flair yeah Shawn Michaels uh, the Undertaker. Yeah. Here's the controversial. Here's the controversial one that everyone's gonna be like, "What?" <laughs> Triple H. I can see that. Triple Dude. H started the the Degeneration X stuff. That was and that he, was big. He's one of the best heels ever. Oh yeah. Like just one of the best bad guys. I've been watching back some old Raw from like 2003, 2004, oh, yeah. and fuck, he's such a good bad guy in Evolution. Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so mine has mine is always, I've always I've changed mine a lot, but I try to go with like who 
who changed wrestling for the better? So, like, um, I've always had Stone Cold on there. Okay. Stone Cold and The Rock, because those two created something when they they came onto the scene. Yeah, absolutely. Um, at the moment, I might would say Hulk Hogan, because he also changed wrestling. I'd say Hulk or Ric Flair, because they both kind of, in their era, they changed what wrestling was, because Ric Flair brought out the showmanship. Hulk Hogan kind of brought out the... Money. Commentary, <laughs> the money, like the the making wrestlers into superheroes. Like Hulk Hogan yeah. was a superhero when we were kids. Fuck yeah. And then fourth, I would say probably Undertaker, because he's been... I mean, you've been, we've had, what, five, six different Undertakers through his career? Because you had, like, the original guy that had, like, the really shitty costume, but he was just, you know, a gravekeeper, basically. And then he becomes, like, undead. And then yep. he becomes a motorcycle-riding Kid Rock fan. And, like, <laughs> yeah. But he's evolved so much with the sport. He's so dynamic throughout his career that yet, he was able to stay relevant for, what, almost 40 years, I think? Dude, a long ass time. He debuted in '92, I think. The yeah, year I was so born. Thirty years. Yeah. So that motherfucker too, and he was always the Undertaker. You know what oh, I'm yeah. saying? Like he, yep. he changed his persona, but at the end of the day, that was the fucking Undertaker. And yep. I got the privilege. I have Polaroids of it, and if and my mom had surgery today on her eye, or I would bug her about where these pictures were at. <laughs> but I had these Polaroids, and one of the matches I got to see back in the day was Undertaker versus Ric Flair. Oh, nice. And it was such a good match. By the end of it, fucking Flair was a bloody goddamn wreck, of course. Oh, yeah. You know, it's just, it was good shit, dude. But yeah, Undertaker made both of ours. He's the one crossover between our... Oh, yeah. Our I would Rushmore. also argue notable, I guess notable mentions, um, Mick Foley. Because Mick Foley kind of brought that ECW-style extremeness to the Attitude Era. Yeah. That a lot of people weren't letting somebody throw him off top of the Hell in a Cell. Like, that dude volunteered for that, and that just blows my mind. I can't imagine doing something like that. If I was going to do an honorary fifth head, Chris Jericho. I can see that. Chris Jericho always kind of bugged me a little bit. Like... I think oh, it's just his personality. <laughs> yeah. But like he's he's a good heel. He is a good heel when he turns heel because he's got that braggadocio and that ego that he can portray. It's like I'm the I'm the best thing that's ever been. You're gonna respect me. And like he he's a really good heel to me, but yeah, he's always kinda bugged me just personality wise. I, I gotta see if I can find the video or the gif and I'll post it in our Facebook group of Jericho walk into the ring and they're in Canada and there's this kid in the rampway he's holding a sign that says something like uh, Brett's gonna kick Chris Jericho's ass like I'm gonna kick cancer's ass oh. this is like a little cancer kid and Chris Jericho without even looking at the kid as he's walking up by snatches the sign out of the kid's hand rips it in half throws it oh. on the ground just keeps walking to the ring I was like yes you so heel son of a bitch that's the most heel shit you could do and that's something I don't think he belongs on Mount Rushmore but Bret Hart was always one of my favorite professional yeah. wrestlers I think his family was done really dirty by WWE when his brother died, but I've always loved Bret Hart. Yeah, the Owen situation was weird, but I do also, yeah. like, on the other hand, and no, not, not on the other hand, in a different situation, the screw job 
was totally oh. called for because Brett was not wanting to cooperate. And in the end, like, you have to I, cooperate. I have heard a conspiracy theory that really made me think that the screw job was orchestrated by That's Bret Ward. Hart and Vince McMahon. Because they're like, Bret Hart spit in Vince McMahon's face. Like, do you think Vince McMahon would have let people see that on television? Like, he goes in the back to, like, whoop his ass or whatever. Like, the, I forget exactly how the way the guy described it to me because I was always like, no fucking way. Like, Vince screwed Bret over, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, but think about it. And he starts listing these things off. And I think it's all listed online. We'll have to find it. If I can find a link, we'll try to put it in the show notes. But yeah, they're like, he starts listing shit off. And I'm like, well, well, fuck you then. Get out of here. I don't know. It's not real. It's not It's not real. And then like, but the more he talked about it, I was like, damn, maybe it was this thing. Like, I don't think anybody else knew anything about it but those two. Yeah. But oh, like, if that's the truth, because I've had that thought too. If that's the truth, that's the greatest work of all time. Oh, that's the that would put him on Mount Rushmore. If that's if yeah. that's legit. If like he came out in an interview and were like, "Yeah, me and Vince had it all set up. It was it was a hundred percent scripted." I'd be like, "Holy shit, you're the greatest showman ever!" Because <laughs> like, you sold that shit so well. So, yeah, Bret Hart, if you're listening to the podcast, we'd love to have you as a guest, and you can tell us on our show how <laughs> it was a it. setup. Right. Absolutely. And then uh, then you can yell at me for Shawn Michaels being on my Mount Rushmore and you not being on my Mount yeah. Rushmore. Um, oh, man, yeah. So just in in to wrap all the, uh, the wrestling chat up, man, um, yeah. I'm going to assume that Scott Hall is probably no longer with us by the time this comes out. So if not, rest in peace, man. Uh, rest um, in peace. If you somehow magically kick out, then fuck yeah. But I'm yeah, I'm a pessimist, so I'm gonna say it's probably not gonna look great. But you know, if you we'll, if you kick out of this, you're on the Mount Rushmore. It's exact, just you, goddamn. like Jeff Goldblum, <laughs> laid out across all four faces. <laughs> Fucking right. Um, yeah, man. So what have you been up to this week? Is there anything? Uh, been a fairly uneventful week. Um, played more uh, Horizon Forbidden West which I will talk about later on in one of our community questions. There's a couple of things about it I've, that have irked me over the last week. But overall, <laughs> it's been a pretty good game. It's been better than the first one to me. Hell yeah. Is it? Is it like a... Is there more, is there more story to it? Because I know... Or no, I'm sorry, not more story to it. Does it pick up a little quicker in the beginning? Because um, I remember like the, the original Horizons, like... It's fun, but that beginning section seems like the beginning like maybe section like, where you're a kid like seems like it takes forever. In the it's first a little one. too long, just a little. Not much. You kind of pick up where the first one left off. I don't want to spoil anything for anybody, but you kind of pick up and like what you thought you beat in the first game. Turns out that it was kind of undone. So now you're trying to go finish what you started sort of i don't want to give away too much plot point because i know i hate when story driven games are spoiled for me yeah but like it it's pretty decent um it plays pretty well i think it's gonna be really fucking long but because i'm about 11 and a half hours in and i found like one of five to eight things that you have to find throughout the game so i feel like it's gonna be really long but it's been enjoyable so far and I gave the first game a lot of flack because it got really long in the tooth and kind of boring to the point where towards the end I was like damn will this just will it ever end I just want it to be over with (laughs) honestly this one may do the same thing but so far 
I'm still enjoying it. So, uh, what topics you want to jump on first off? Well, uh, I didn't expect us to talk about wrestling for so long. So sorry, yeah. that's my that's my bad. Um, let's since we're talking about video games, uh, somebody the other week mentioned the uh, the sandwich state of games. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Um, and it's basically like back in the day when you got a video game, you got a cheeseburger with all the fixings. Yeah. And, you know, you had extra cheese and you had bacon. That might have been two expansion packs or like yeah. a, char- a character pack or something. You know what I mean? Nowadays, it's like you, you get a game and it's a bun. And then your burgers are season passes. You know, yep. your lettuce is a character pack. Your tomato is a level pack. Your onion is uh, blood. You know, um, pickles. If you want more than, you know, one pickle is a Best Buy exclusive pre-order bonus. The other one is a GameStop pre-order bonus. It just doesn't yeah, make any um, sense. The only argument I would have with that, I agree with it, but I would say maybe the game itself now is your bun and your meat patty. Because, like, some people, that's enough. You're fine. Now, some games, that's absolutely not true. You get a bun with, like, a half-cooked lob of ground beef on it and then they say don't worry don't worry we'll cook it later yeah <laughs> like we'll, we'll get it cooked for you eventually but right now just take what you get and I, that bugs me more than anything that you used to get a full game whereas now you a lot more games are coming out more often than not it's a buggy mess that they like they're almost having their customers play test the game for them figure out what's wrong with it and then they're going back and fixing it which i can't agree with in a 60 to 70 dollar new game world i shouldn't pay 70 bucks for a game and have to do qa for it too so yeah yeah i completely i i 100% agree and now now granted a Super Nintendo game was a lot easier to play through 100%, find all the bugs and stuff than something like a Cyberpunk or Red Dead Redemption 2 or something. Or, or that's Babylon's take. Fall. Yeah, Babylon's <laughs> Fall. I don't even think they played that. I think they were just like, oh, it's technically a game. Let's let's put it out and move on to the next thing. Hey, I, I like Babylon Fall, though. In our fantasy video game league, it got me a lot of points as a counterpick. <laughs> Oh man, yeah, poor Phil. <laughs> yeah, R.I.P. Phil. R.I.P. Phil. <laughs> yeah. yeah, video games are something else. I want to touch on with that topic is I hear a lot of people complain about the price of video games. I can't agree with it. I agree they're expensive, but they're expensive as shit to make now too. You yeah. know, games several years ago. They might have spent a hundred grand to make a triple A title. Now you look at games like Death Stranding that cost tens of millions of dollars to make. And other than the price point on some of these games, they're not making any money other than what they're selling it to you for. And the dynamic of video games now are that you put it out and in a month to two months, you discount it. So yeah. Sadly, most of the modern stuff, if you don't if people don't buy it that first week, they're not gonna buy it until it goes on sale. Nine times out of ten. I was talking with uh the local GameStop managers, a friend of mine, and we were talking about it the other day because people bash GameStop for their trade-in prices. But that's what I told like I look at it as 
if nobody bought that game when it came out, they're not going to buy it till it goes on sale. So if they give you 35 bucks for a $60 game and then it sits on their shelf until it goes on sale for $30 and somebody buys it, they ended up losing money on it. Like yeah. I'm not defending GameStop at all, but I no, understand sense, where they're coming from. Yeah. yeah. And that's my thing is a lot of people bitch games shouldn't cost 60 or $70, but then they also say games shouldn't have paid DLC. Games shouldn't have microtransactions. I'm fine with all that stuff as long as it's not impeding my enjoyment of the game. Whereas like Battlefront 2 came out and it was grind for 500 hours or spend money to buy these characters that'll make you way stronger than anyone else in the game. That I can't agree with. It shouldn't be pay to win. But you want to do cosmetics and shit like that? By all means, go ahead. I've spent money on cosmetics. Like my kid loves Minecraft. He's used uh, some of his money he's raised doing chores and stuff to buy skin packs and stuff like that, DLC from Minecraft. And I'm fine with it because you're supporting the people who make things that you enjoy in your spare time. I have no yeah. problem with that. And, and dude, I feel the same way. As long as your stuff is cosmetic or, you know, just to be cool, a mount, like even in MMOs, you know what I'm saying? If you, if you want to pay money for a mount or yeah. you want to pay money for a certain armor, the way it looks, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like I am perfectly cool with that. It's when you start introducing things that you can buy that make you better at the game. Yeah, like yep. that I have an issue with. Because then like, that becomes pay to win. Yep. Like if you're playing uh I'm trying to think of something Warzone and you want a tank that's painted up like a unicorn that's cool if you want to spend 20 bucks on that i'm not going to argue but if you can buy a gun that one shot kills everybody that's not fair because then if i don't spend my money to buy that gun you have an unfair advantage over me and like single player games go for it if you want to sell a sword in elden ring that does 999 damage per swipe go for it but don't do it in multiplayer games where it puts somebody at a disadvantage because they didn't spend their money to buy that man one of the dlcs that have always has always made me laugh this is sorry this is random but i just had a, the thought and i didn't want to forget it um have you heard the, of the game gal gun it sounds familiar i don't so know anything about it basically though. the typical the the premise of gal gun is it's a rail shooter but you don't shoot bullets you shoot pheromone shots at girls that are trying to come towards you oh wow it's it's one of those really japanese games right um, it sounds very Japanese. <laughs> there is a DLC called the Pheromone Z item, which allows for nudity in the game. Okay, then. This DLC is eighty nine ninety nine. Jesus. It's expensive to be a pervert in video games. Eighty nine ninety nine. Fucking seriously, bro. Like, God, hentai is, like, free on the internet, if that's yeah. what you're looking for. Eighty nine ninety nine. But I guarantee you people have bought it, so I can't super argue that one either because now the one that killed me was, uh, I can't even remember what game it was. It was like last year, one of the fighting games that came out where they had like $1,200 worth of like costume DLC. Like you had to buy each thing of hair and each costume and stuff separately and they were all a few dollars a piece. Cannot it, remember what game it was. Was it the Dead or Alive one? That was like you could get the the Maybe. base core game for free, and then everything else yeah. was a DLC. Maybe so. Um, I like, can tell you, 
all the DLC for Tekken 7 costs $200. Jesus. <laughs> I just can't see it like paying, especially for cosmetics, spending an extra $200 for cosmetics is just, just blows well, my mind. Tekken 7 is also like level, level packs, uh, character uh, yeah. packs and stuff too. But like still, still though, that's yeah, a lot of money. $200 is a lot of money. Some of those characters are like five ninety nine for one of them. Seven ninety nine oh, yeah. for one of them, and I'm like, God I, damn! Yeah. I, I do like that they do it that way. Because say you, there's just like one particular character you want, you can drop six bucks on it, and you're good to go. Whereas, like, yep. if they said, "Well, you want this character," it's in this bundle pack this that pack. costs fifty yeah. bucks, and that's the only way you can get it. That's not fair. Yeah, but how, how do you feel about uh, some games introducing more than one season pass? Like. They treat them like seasons. Depending like, I, on how they do it. Um, I'm a huge F1 fan, as you know. Yeah. F1 started that in 2020 or 2021. They called it the Podium Pass. The way it worked is it was like eight bucks for the thing. It was kind of like Fortnite or Warzone where you level up. As you level up, you unlock cosmetic stuff. But you also unlock what they call pit coins, which is like... The, you know, the currency you use to buy stuff in game. Yeah. But the way they do it, and I know Fortnite does the same thing, is if you play through the entire season, you get all the rewards, you get enough pit coins to pay for the next season. So it's kind of a way to keep you playing the game because that way you're like, I can get enough coins, I unlock the next one, I get to go through that one again. I, th- I know Fortnite does it. I don't have a lot of experience with Warzone, but I feel like they do it too. I'm cool with that. If I can pay like eight bucks when the game comes out and all I have to do is log in once a day, run a few races, get enough experience points that I'll have enough to unlock the next season, that's cool. I'm fine with that. Whereas, you know, if I lapse off and then I decide to go back, I'm like, oh, you know, I screwed up. I got to pay another eight bucks to get back into this. In my personal experience, once I put a game down, I very rarely go back to it. Yeah. So I kind of just play it until I've had my fill. And if it's something I truly, truly enjoy, I don't really mind paying those few dollars extra. But like you said, if you were getting upgrades to your cars or something that's going to make you have a competitive edge, it's bullshit. But yeah, as far as like breaking it into seasons, I'm I'm okay with it personally. I don't know how you feel about it. Well, to me, it's just like, well, I'm going to use Tekken 7 again as an example. Their first season pass that came out. Now, Tekken 7 came out in 2017. So they've done four season passes since then. Yeah. The first one was $25. The second one was $30. The third one was $25. And the fourth one was $15. Now, those are cool. But like, what what bothers me is when you buy a season pass, usually it's you get the season pass and you get all the DLC that's going to come out for the game and you pay that one big price but you save a little money in the long run whereas this game released a season pass and then you got some free stuff and then they were like oh we're going to come out with more stuff but if you want it you have to get the second season pass you have to buy it and I don't know if you can Uh earn it I don't think you can like in this but I know Borderlands 3 I think is on season pass 2 or 3 now as well and I'm like I don't know, man. I just wish they would just put out a season pass, make it 60 bucks, and then you just get whatever fucking DLC comes out for the game. Yeah. Fuck make it like, instead of a season pass, make it like a DLC pass, where it's like, whatever we put out for yep. the game is going to be included, which I I understand it from their point of it's a way to keep making money off of something that people aren't necessarily buying new anymore. But like I said, as far as putting out something every year, you have to pay for it. 
I'm not a hundred percent against it because it's not it's optional. Um, you don't have to buy that if you don't want it. Most people probably played it that first year, moved on to something else, and never even knew other season passes came out. Um, season passes are weird to me because, like I said, it's a way for the developers to make more money off of the product, and I'm not entirely against that as long as it's a an interesting game and it's a way to keep you engaged because like doing those podium pass things in F1 kept me playing the game longer than I would have if that wasn't there because I'm like oh man there's this really cool livery I can unlock but I've got to get three more levels so let me go knock out you know part of a career mode or something get those three levels unlock that livery get to play with it because in F1 2020 they brought out uh what's called my team career mode where instead of joining an f1 team as a driver you actually are an owner driver you make your own team you name it you make decisions on upgrades stuff like that you sign a second driver and you can like sign different drivers throughout your career throughout your seasons that you play um you design the car yourself, like you pick from liveries, you pick colors, you put your sponsor logos on it. To me, that's really cool, and it actually made me like the game a lot more. Um, but yeah, doing that where you unlock those extra, co- uh, uh, I just blanked on the word, uh, cosmetics, makes it a little more interesting. It puts a little bit more replayability into a game I paid 60 bucks for. So I'm, I'm cool with it. Um, like I said, it's all in how they do it, too. Like, I'm okay with, like, advertisements and games. I've talked about this, I think, in another Facebook group we're in where if, say, Gran Turismo 7 just came out, if they had billboards on the track for actual real-life products, it was advertisements, but they weren't intrusive, they were just there, I'm cool with that. Like, uh, I talked about Spider-Man. If you were swinging around New York and there were actual company logos on billboards and, you know, video billboards and stuff, I feel like it would make it a little more immersive, like you're actually in New York. I, when I play Grand Theft Auto V on PC, I mod it to where the billboards, the semi-trucks, all of that stuff are actual companies. So, like, it'll be like Walmart trucks and shit driving through. It just makes it a little more realistic. I understand the licensing hell you'd have to go through to make that work but i think it'd be a cool way to, for these developers to make more money if they say hey we're going to sell sponsorship in this game coca-cola pays them you know a million dollars and they put coca-cola billboards all over new york city what's well, like uh was it death stranding with the monster cans yeah you know, just little things like that but yeah. but there is the other side well, I think it's the NBA games that put fucking actual yes. commercials yep. in the video game. Go yeah. fuck yourself. <laughs> yeah, NBA 2K21 or 22, they put them in. They put actual commercials in the game that you can't skip. That is fucking horseshit. I should not have to watch commercials in a game I paid $70 for. Yeah. Now, like, UFC did it, but they had little commercials playing, like, in the bottom of the screen. Like, while you were watching, like, the match replays or something. That's different. It's different. It still kind of sucks, but it's it's not in the way. Whereas, like I said, NBA, legit, your screen fills up with a commercial you can't skip. I don't like that idea. No. Yeah, absolutely not. But like you said, now, NBA 2K did it where 
the video billboards in the stadium had actual company logos and actual company advertisements on them while you were playing the game. Yeah, I'd be perfectly cool with that. And like yeah. I said, I feel like that makes adds a little bit more immersion for the player because you're like, this is this is real life. This is actual stuff I would see if I was at the stadium yeah, it's watching so, this game. It's no different than the sports games that come out that are perfectly good in their own right. But people that are fans of those sports don't want to play them because they're not real characters. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. uh, was it NBA Street? I think, like, would have some characters and stuff that were real, but then there was a lot of not real characters. Now, while yeah. I loved it because I wasn't an NBA fan, most of my friends preferred, like, the NBA live games and stuff because you could play as Yeah, real. there's a lot yeah. of, like, uh, when EA got the exclusive NFL rights, you had companies putting out stuff like All Pro Football, which was... All Pro was... I thought it was great because you actually made your own team. You designed your out. You designed your uh, uniforms. You designed your stadium, everything, and then you. But you picked rosters from uh, like Hall of Fame players that weren't playing in the league anymore, and you played like that. And to me, that was really cool. But like you said, a lot of people were like, "I want to play with the players that are on the team now," yeah. and you can't do like you couldn't make official NFL teams in the game. You had to make custom teams. Whereas uh, EA is bringing out a college football game again. And I'm wondering if they're going to try to pay the players for likeness rights or if they're just going to make completely randomly generated characters for the teams. I'm fine with randomly generated characters because I want to play as my custom character anyways. Like, I'm going to go out there, I'm going to set the game on easy, I'm going to rush for 3,000 yards a season and get drafted number one in the draft. Uh, But a lot of people, a lot of sports fans I know are like, no, I want the real players. I want to play an authentic game. So, I mean, it's something we touched on with another topic of people just not being... It's so hard to please everybody because half the people are going to be okay with something that the other half of people are going to be adamantly against. Yeah. So. Yeah. I remember uh, I loved Blitz the League back in the day. Oh, yeah. Was like Blitz once, the League was amazing to me. Once Blitz lost the NFL license when Madden they like, you know, ganked it up. Yeah. They come out with Blitz the League and that game was like your player gets hurt. They're going to be out for half the season or you can juice them up and they'll be out two games. Yep. <laughs> oh, okay. Yep. Yeah. Here, here's so steroids. Every single time. I loved it because you could bet on your games before the game. Like, uh, that game, a lot of people give that game flack. I personally love that game. I oh, love it, dude. It's so good. But, <laughs> oh, man. Speaking um, of football, I was about um, to do that. Yep. Good, good transition. Segue. Um, so, I. Don't, I don't think you had seen it until I showed you. Tom Brady yesterday announced that he was unretiring and coming back to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to play another season, which I'm not super surprised by. The funny part of it is apparently Saturday night, 12 hours before he had made this announcement, some guy bought his last touchdown football thrown in the playoff game against the Rams. I think it was the Rams, yeah, um, for $518,000. And that football is no longer his last touchdown pass. It's just a touchdown ball from Tom Brady. He's on a shitload of touchdowns. Now, being so close to when it happened, maybe he hadn't paid for it yet, and he can just be like, look, I'm not paying for this, whatever. 
Or maybe the auction house will give him his money back if he did. I highly, highly doubt it because that football will never sell for anywhere near that again. <laughs> and auction houses are not known for integrity. So I kind of hope for the guy's sake that he didn't pay and he can kind of just weasel his way out of it. Dude, that's but so much knows? money. That's, that's so, so much money. And I like I feel bad for the guy, but at the same time, if you pay half a million dollars for a football, you're a fucking idiot. Like plus, plus I mean, it's Tom Brady ball, so that thing's gonna be like half deflated and weird. This is true. <laughs> <laughs> um no, dude, I used to hate Tom Brady until the Super Bowl against the Falcons when he came back for like 20, 28 to 3, I think. He came back and won the Super Bowl. And I was like, you know what, man? People hate Tom Brady because he is the best. He he is he's the best there is at what he does. Yeah. And I'm like, man, I'm kind of starting to become a fan of the guy. Well, and you, you know what brought him back from retirement, right? What? So I read this thing uh, after we had talked about it. I, it showed up on my Twitter where apparently LeBron James had sent Tom Brady a text and was like, man, you're quitting. We're both the best at what we do. This has become a competition between me and you because we're the best at what we do. And then LeBron went out and won some game, and Tom Brady's like, "All right, fuck it." Even though I'm sure Tom Brady doesn't curse, but he's just like, "Whatever, I'm I'm going back in." And it's just Dude. hilarious the timing on that and that football. Dude. Fuck LeBron James. Like, dude, I don't like that guy. Did you see the quote he had like a week or two ago? Because the Lakers suck now. LeBron's not playing well. Um, him and another player got into an altercation with some fans in the stadium because they were basically saying, hey, you fucking suck. You're ruining our team, blah, blah, blah. LeBron was quoted saying that they should either put a soundproof barrier between the fans and the players or just get rid of the fans from the stadium again so that he doesn't have to listen to them. I'm like, dude, those fans are the reason you make the money you make. Like, yeah, it sucks to be off your game and people giving you shit. You get paid a lot of money to deal with that. Like, shut the fuck up a and lot deal of with it. Money. Like, dude, Charles Oakley, somebody threw, I think they threw like a cup of beer at Charles Oakley or something. He went up in the, in the stance and punched the dude. Like, dude... Do that. Like, at least that would be fun to watch. Don't sit here and bitch on well, TV about how people are being mean to you. People also weren't as sue happy back then, too. This is true. Like, if LeBron went out and slapped somebody in a crowd, they're going to sue that motherfucker for millions of dollars. Dude, if LeBron came out in the crowd and slapped me, I would whoop his ass. <laughs> like, I would, he might beat me, but I'm going to go at him. Uh, like, they're going to drag me out of the stadium. I try and son of a... Yeah, and I'm gonna start doing cameos like that guy who fought LeBron James in the stands. Pay me five bucks, I'll make you a cameo video. <laughs> oh fucking hey, dude! Fucking Tom Brady. I always oh, like yeah. that in the in the South Park video game. I think it's the fractured butthole. Um, oh, yeah. You you have to put in the code to get down into Cartman's like secret lair, which is just the basement. And uh, you have to play through the game to figure out what the code is. But if you look up the code online and go to the thing and type it in to try to get in there beforehand, Cartman shows up on the screen as this, like, he's in a, co- a football coach. And he goes, what are you yeah, doing, Tom Bill Brady? Bella Trying check. to cheat? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fucking hilarious. Oh, uh, great. Yeah, there was a whole episode of South Park about that where Cartman started teaching this class. It was a, it was a spoof of... Uh, 
what was it stand by stand and deliver i think the movie with uh edward james almost where he goes and teaches the inner city kids is that is how, it stand how do and i deliver? teach these kids yeah, he's like, how do i teach these kids and his whole thing was he just taught the whole class how to cheat to pass their tests <laughs> and stuff oh dude dude south park is one of my great loves in life oh dude that's um, fucking so good but yeah i, I like watched the pandemic special Oh, uh, dude, the new season has been hilarious so far. Yeah, the I last one was uh, the last episode was about the Russian attack on the Ukraine, and oh, God. basically, dude, it was the funniest shit. Basically, Mackie told Putin that Putin was invading the Ukraine because his dick didn't work anymore. And I was like, dude, this is the fucking funniest shit. Like, Putin's probably gonna have these guys killed, but dude, this is hilarious. <laughs> Uh, I don't know, man. They they put Muhammad on TV and didn't die over it. So well, they almost did. Comedy Central pulled it at the last second. Oh, okay. yeah. I know. Which is funny even... because Muhammad was in an episode several years ago. But yeah. then when that episode aired, it was there was this whole thing. They were getting death threats and stuff. And Comedy Central at the last minute were like, "We're not going to allow you to air this." So they like black screen and put like a description of what was happening. But I think still during the credits, it was just Trey and Matt on everything. Like they didn't give anyone oh, yeah. else's real name. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> just to be safe. Oh Fucking yeah. A. Um, All right. So what else? Uh, do you want to jump into some community questions? Yeah, we're getting we're getting uh, close to the end. Let's grab a few of these community questions. Um, I'll let you grab one. All right. Well, since we referenced it earlier, uh, our buddy Phil asked us, "What is some good metal music for someone who is looking to get into the metal genre?" So I I'm gonna let you handle most of. I'm not a huge metal head. I am gonna plug a band i am friends with called cultus black they're a local band they're on tour right now really good like stage show metal um we did a in my store i've got a bunch of empty space we actually they were in a battle of the band sort of thing yeah. and we staged like a whole music video in the back of my store on like two days notice and i still say the only reason they didn't win is because the studio we were streaming to had sound issues so like most of the music got cut out for their set and there was another band in there that i think were the crowd favorites they wanted to win because they had a similar issue and they actually stopped the stream and got the issue fixed first whereas when cultists black were going they just went without the music and it was just a jumbled mess yeah but they're check them out. They're on Spotify. Um, they're on YouTube. They just put a new video out recently called Nevermind. They're a really good metal band. Um, outside of them, the closest I would say is like I'm a, like I said, I'm a huge Marilyn Manson fan. I don't know if it technically classifies as metal, but it's yeah. he puts on a hell of a show. Like I've seen him twice. One in an open air arena or not an arena open air pavilion and one in a uh the house of blues in myrtle beach which is still probably one of my favorite shows ever because the energy he puts out in such a small closed in space was just electric um yeah that's probably all i could say for metal bands um so i'll let you jump into that (coughs) oh man well it depends on what you're looking for. Like, if you don't like screaming and you just like some good clean vocals with some really heavy guitar, uh, there's a band called Catatonia. 
and it's spelled with a K. It'd be K-A-T-A-O-N-I-A, Catatonia. Um, they're really fucking good, dude. Like, they're one of my favorite bands. Um, those guys, Corn uh, is a classic you can't go wrong with. Oh, yeah, naturally. I, I don't really put Corn as metal, though. I feel like Corn is in this weird 90s genre of music that hasn't really been reproduced since. But I do love Corn. They put on a hell of a stage show. Um, yeah, I definitely put them at the top. If you don't mind heavier vocals, um, then I would say uh, go with like Winter Sun or maybe Amana Marth. Uh, or Mechana. Mechana is my favorite band right now. Um, other than my all-time favorite band, which is Typo Negative, who I recommend to anybody and everybody. They're great metal. Um, just fantastic stuff. But Mechana... Mechana is like... It's just space epic, symphon- symphonic, fucking atmospheric metal. Like, I don't know how to describe it. They tell... Like, all of their albums tell one long story that is this story about how earth gets destroyed and how humanity basically survives after that with these other two planets and there are these big gods that are going through these battles and these giant robots and there's a lot of crazy shit going on and it's all told through their music um i'll post one of their songs in the in the the group uh because that's probably the one that i would recommend the most um because they have a combination like they have some songs that have a lot of heavy growls and stuff but then they have songs where they have this girl that's singing and it's her singing the entire time so you kind of get a mix of both there's fuck there's so many good metal bands out there dude that it's hard to narrow them down i can't believe i can't believe i forgot one of my favorites and dalton will probably laugh when i say it but death clock is some of my go-to metal music it's funny because it's a cartoon band but they put out a pretty good mix of like what dalton was saying some some easier listening metal i guess for lack of a better word and then some straight up screaming just heavy instrumental metal music so they're definitely worth checking out Death Clock had a lot of melody with the, oh, yeah. their death metal, which was really good. Uh, other ones I would think of, maybe... Well, I'll give you one more. Let me think for a second. Um, Mudvayne. Oh, Mudvayne's definitely a good one. Just classic. But like, if I was going to recommend anything by Mudvayne, their second album, The End of All Things to Come. Uh, good from beginning to end. One of the best albums ever released back in those days. Um... But yeah, uh, check those bands out. If any of those jump out at you, um, let me know. And then I can kind of build more towards like what your taste is. Because anybody asking me that, I'm always like, well, I need you to kind of give me a general idea of what you like. And then I can kind of mold what I'm going to tell you to check out. Um, let's see. What are some other community questions? Uh, what uh-huh. are some crazy things that we've done? Yeah, Santos asked, uh, what are some crazy things we've done in life? Um, I told him, like, I'm, I'll lean that towards you because I've never done, I've been a pretty boring life. Um, I'm trying to think of any kind of, like, crazy stuff I've done. Um, but I just can't, because I know Santos goes to, like, the, the, the community gatherings in the desert and stuff. I forget the name of it. Oh, um, Wasteland. He goes to yeah, Wasteland. See, I've never done that kind of stuff because I'm more introverted. I don't really like being around that much people. 
all the yeah. time. I uh, I've seen like over three hundred bands in concert, but as far like all my wild shit was in my partying days back in the day. Um, I can tell you one crazy thing I've done. Uh, I go to my buddy's house, and I won't name him because well, we'll call him Slow because that was part of his nickname. So we'll just say we'll call him Slow. Uh, he's like, hey, uh, you and Dustin want to come over? I've uh, got something I want you guys to try. Yeah, sure. So we show up to his house, and he hands us each this pill capsule. And we're like, what is this? And he says, this is a drug that a UF student made in the lab at school. He goes, it's called 4ACO. He's like, it's a chemical compound mixture close to molly and mushrooms. So it'll give us a good buzz. And I was like, cool. So we each took one. And it was great. We had a good time that night. So the next weekend, he hits us up, asks us to come back out there. So we go back out there, and he's like, so, this stuff isn't selling because nobody doesn't know what, like, no one knows what it is. He goes, I don't want to get caught with it if it ever people show up, so I have six left. Let's each take two. Yeah. Okay, okay, fair enough. Last week was fine. So we, we each took two. Five minutes go by, maybe ten, at the, ten at the most, and I'm sitting on the couch with those guys, and all of a sudden, I have to throw up violently. So I stand up and I run to the bathroom, open up the toilet, hold the toilet, heave my guts out. And when I do that, the toilet just sinks into the floor. (laughs) And I went, whoa. And when I said, whoa, my voice came from the other side of the bathroom. (laughs) Now, Dustin tells this part of the story better than me because I was already tripping balls at this moment, like just out of my mind tripping. And I... I, I was in the bathroom for a good bit, apparently throwing up and then just sitting in there, probably pondering life. But I, I ended up coming out and they said, I walked into the living room and I looked at them and there was this other girl that was there who she didn't take the drug. She was just on cocaine, which was her own thing. None of us liked it. So we we're just like, no, nah, you, you do you, you do you boo. Um, I walk in there and I was, <laughs> Dustin says, I looked at him and I went, if I don't talk, it's because my voice is disassociated from my body. And he said, I just turned stone-faced and walked over to the couch, laid on the couch, curled up in a ball, and that's where I laid until I stopped tripping. <laughs> and the only memory I have is laying on that couch and slow head on bass nectar. And it was this song, I think it was called Time, Time Lapse or Time Warp or something like that. And it was like, because I don't know if you know who bass nectar is, he's a dubstep DJ, so it was just really heavy bass. Real, and I went, it's always dude. the best thing to have when you're tripping balls. <laughs> I said, I said, dude, this is fucking too much. And all I hear is <laughs> I kind of like the one time I look up and kind of look over my shoulder, I can kind of hear Corey. He's like leaned back on the couch with his eyes wide open. He just goes, yeah, dude, this is fucking massive. <laughs> like all of us were tripping fucking nuts. I sobered up first, like, cause it hit me the hardest, you know what I'm saying? So, but Dustin yeah. never threw up. So like, when I was driving us home from Gainesville back to Keystone, Dustin's sitting in my passenger seat, just staring out the window, just fucking tripping shit, watching the sun come up. Just like, <laughs> oh man, that was a, that was a fun fucking night. I mean, at the time it wasn't, but like once it was over, I was oh, like, yeah. man, what an experience! I am never taking that shit again. <laughs> Stories to look back on. Exactly, and that's my crazy story for this week. But I do have a bunch of stories like that, so I'll try to share those incrementally. Nice. I do try to like I was trying to tell those every now and then on the Steam Machine podcast. Shout out to my other show, the Steam Machine podcast, a video game podcast. Um, 
but like they're hard to fit into conversation because we're not usually talking about just life <laughs> things so maybe i'll try to work those in more here on this show so it's always fun to just bullshit from time to time exactly exactly so and speaking speaking yeah. of bullshit oh, i was gonna say is there any either of these that jump out of you you want to save some um i was gonna say phil uh phil also asked us about game mechanics is one of the most bullshit game game mechanics or game endings you have seen um i'm gonna give one suggestion because it's pertinent to what i've been doing this week um horizon both zero dawn and forbidden west rely on a save point system to save the game which sucks because about three days this week i've been like oh cool i'm ready to go to bed let me save this and go and i've gotten into some bullshit of a boss fight or it's like dungeon crawling sort of things where you're in facilities and you're having to climb and solve puzzles and shit for like a fucking hour and a half so like you're ready to go to bed but no you have to spend an hour and a half either fighting a boss or solving a bunch of fucking like verticality puzzles and stuff you think like, i just i'm sitting there in this living room and my girlfriend walks by she's like are you coming to bed i'm like i fucking want to so bad i just have to figure out when i can save this fucking game <laughs> like oh save point it's 2022 get rid of save points let me just go in the menu click save and be done oh how the tables have turned from when we were younger and it was like no i can't find a save point i can't go to bed yet I, I don't know what you're talking about, Mom. I, I got. I have to save it. I, I have to see this through. <laughs> so now you're just like, God damn it! I want to save this and go to bed. Uh, my my bullshit mechanic is something that I experienced recently as well, and it was the shooting accuracy in Star Wars Jedi Outcast. Uh, Holy fuck! I don't know if it's because I was trying to use the stormtrooper rifle or what. But it might not be the stormtrooper's fault. It might be faulty weaponry. Because goddamn, <laughs> does that thing did the, the whole crosshair? It was before that game came out. Before they figured out that the bullet should go where the crosshair is exactly aimed, God. and like all this fucking shit. It was just—it's rough. It's a rough time. It didn't age well until you get your lightsaber. Then it then it's much better. But uh, as far as uh, bullshit games, I haven't played anything lately that I genuinely hated. Um endings uh don't have any game endings but there is a movie that literally i watched in a theater and i stood up at the end of the movie and said are you fucking kidding me like loud um it was did you watch knowing with nicholas cage no oh it's such a good movie i hate to spoil the ending but it's spoilers for this it's, movie yeah, spoiler alert if you want to see knowing don't um <laughs> No, it was a really good movie because the premise of the movie is Nicolas Cage is something I don't remember at this point. But he's like this woman, crazy woman, is predicting all these like mass casualty events like plane crashes and stuff. And so he goes to see her and she's got like this door or wall or something. She's just scribbled all these numbers on. And the numbers are like the date, the time and how many people are going to die. So it's like, oh, you know, like March 31st, whatever year, 1230, you know, 50 people. And then it's like, oh, a plane crashes and 50 people die. And it's like he's going through these numbers. He's trying to predict like if he can stop these events from happening and at the very end of it it says uh it looks like two backwards threes but it's actually e's throughout the movie they figure out that ee is everyone else 
So it's basically on this date at this time, everyone's going to die. And like the whole movie, you're like, holy shit, what's happening? I need to know what's happening. And then at the end of the movie, it's the most, I get angry talking about it. It's the most (laughs) bullshit thing where like fucking aliens show up and they're like, we're going to take Nicolas Cage and this like 12 year old girl and they're going to repopulate another planet. And like when they say aliens, I'm just in the theater. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? And a bunch of people turn around and look at me. And I was like, I will never watch this movie ever again because this ending pissed me off so fucking bad. Like you had so many places you could have went and you copped out with fucking aliens. Like, oh, it makes me so mad just thinking about Like, I want my two hours back, Nicolas Cage. I remember me and my buddy Brendan going to a movie theater. And we saw the, I think it was, I think the movie was called Jumper. I, I vaguely Jumper. remember that. It was like where they could just like jump through. I don't know if it was time or they could just warp to places or whatever the fuck. Yeah. I it was it was interesting at the time, but I remember when the movie ends, it's just like at the end and spoilers for like a twenty year old movie for Jumper, but like it gets to the ending, and the guy's like, "Oh no, what are we gonna do?" And he just goes like, "Ah!" and jumps the whole room he's in yeah. to like the middle of a desert, and the camera does a pan out and shows that they're in the desert. Cut to black into the movie. What, uh. what the fuck? And I remember Brendan looking at me and going, "What the fuck?" And I looked at him and I said. That didn't explain shit. I was like, what the fuck was that? The writers were like, we don't know how to end this. We're just going to stop writing. A dramatic pan in. And Finn. It's it's artistic. Yeah. And uh, our last community question for the week uh, before we hop on out of here was from Kana, who is uh, a friend of mine from uh, the Steam Machine and Tadpog and all those good other places. Tadpog, shout out Tyler and Day Play All Games. Uh, our favorite anime slash manga. We touched on it a little bit last week. I'd say my favorite anime, if I had to pick one, would probably be Death Note. Just because, like I said last week, it's the one I would most want to be in. Yeah. Because I would love to have a notebook that I could write people's names in and they just cease to exist. Um, like I said, there's a lot of good ones out there and that's coming from someone who's not a huge anime fan. There is a lot of really well written manga and anime out um I said Death Note would probably be my one though if I had to pick one see ah man yeah I've watched a few really good ones um and it's mostly been my friends showing them to me I've been meaning to watch more um Food Wars is one I picked out by myself that I loved I need to finish that show I've only watched like the first half of the first season fucking hilarious though and it's related to food and I love food um Yu Yu Hakusho was one that my buddy showed me back in the day that game or that game that show is tremendous fight scenes are great like it's fucking good um Dragon Ball Z it was good you know Naruto fantastic um but if I had to jump out one that I just randomly stumbled upon it was one season and I enjoyed the shit out of it it was called Demon King Daimao and I might I've be saying that, that wrong yeah. but it was fucking great, dude. I just randomly picked it on Crunchyroll and then sat there and watched the whole thing and it was fucking tremendous. Now, there's one anime I haven't watched yet, but I want to watch it strictly based on the name. And it's called Cautious Hero. The hero is overpowered, but overly cautious. Oh, nice. Like, that's the whole name of the fucking show. <laughs> and the other one's like, 
uh, my mom's a badass paladin in the MMO that we play or something like that. Yeah, like these yeah. crazy named ones that I'm like, I want to watch these. Like the time I got reincarnated as a slime. It's like, dude, you guys are naming your anime shows like Panic at the Disco named songs and I'm here yeah. for it. <laughs> I will say if I had to go off the the mainstream anime thing, there was one I watched. The manga was great. The show only lasted like a season, which is fairly normal for anime. It was called The Devil is a Part-Timer. And it's about literally the devil. It's, of course, not like Christianity, heaven, and hell. There's all these different realms, I guess you'd say. But the devil himself comes to Japan as like a early 20s person. And he wants to take over the world. But he figures to take over the world, he has to get a job. So he gets a job at their nondescript version of McDonald's. And he's yeah. basically like... There's a teenage girl that's crushing on him hardcore. There's a female, uh, like, holy warrior that's there to... She's supposed to be stopping him, but she's kind of, like, watching him. Where if he does anything, she can stop him. And he's kind of like, look, I'm just a kid trying to work and make a living, blah, blah, blah. But she's kind of following along. Um, There's, like, one episode where, like, he's trying to get his performance up and the everybody loves these garlic fries or something he or like black pepper fries he created well then the fryer goes down so he's like oh god what am i gonna do we're not gonna be able to sell fry it's like uses his devil magic to fix the fryer like it's just (laughs) it's wacky as shit but it was a really good show it was on i want to say hulu had it dubbed forever ago i don't think it still is i think you can just find subtitle versions of it now but like if you get a chance to watch it it's it's a pretty fun show to watch i'll check it out it's probably on funimation probably and I, so. I do watch that uh other ones that i can think of that kind of are like the the devilish theme is like trinity yeah. blood which yeah. was vamp- vampires versus the catholic church probably a little less zany than that show but it was still crazy and then the uh, the devil may cry anime is fucking violent holy shit like the first scene in that show is people making fun of Dante sitting in a bar and he just fucking slaughters them it's fucking wild I will say (laughs) the first two seasons of Castlevania were really good it kind of went off the rails after that like they didn't uh, they didn't know where to go with it so they kind of just shit enough story out to finish up the contract (laughs) they had um, there's supposed to be a spinoff of it that it sounds like it's going to be really good. Um, but yeah, the Castlevania Netflix anime was pretty good. Hell yeah, man. Well, brother, we have uh, crested about an hour and a half. So, so And we've, we've covered all the community questions. Our, our own topics, we can save the remaining ones for another yes. day. But yeah. um, is there anything else that you'd like to, to bring up here at the end? No, I think, I think we got a pretty well-rounded episode this week. Hell yeah. Well, then I will ask, would you like to take it out or do you want me to? Do you want to plug the Facebook um, group? Yeah, we've got a Facebook group. It's uh, facebook.com backslash groups black, backslash yet another BS podcast. Um, you can join there. You can ask questions, comment on things we've talked about, suggest new topics, any of that stuff. Uh, if you're not on Facebook, you want to shoot us an email. It's yet another BS pod at gmail.com. Um, we're still working on the Anchor FM voicemail line. Uh, we're trying to figure that one out. It's a little trickier than we were expecting. Um, 
or if you just want to shoot us either of us a message if you follow us on any social medias um as far as topics advice suggestions if you just want to curse at us for our various views on video games and <laughs> wrestling and whatnot uh go for it uh anything you want to add uh yeah you can find me on twitter at uh super nerd dalton that's me and i try to remember to post things on there uh i do still need to make this show a twitter so i will try to do that this week i uh forgot this last week but i'll remember this week i promise yeah my twitter is just call me jezza g-e-z-z-a um i'm on there some i do get my notifications so if i get messages or, or tags i'll know uh, my Twitter account's kind of taking some weird right turn that I don't like, so I'm not really <laughs> watching my timeline as much. But, uh, yeah, that'd probably be the better way. If you don't have Facebook and you don't feel like emailing us, shoot us something on Twitter. Yeah, man. We'll get it all figured out, and uh, we thank you for listening to Episode 2 of this podcast. Stick around. There will be more bullshit to come. For Jeremy, my name is Dalton, and as always, guys... Take it easy.